Amen. Oh, I love this time of year. It's so exciting, celebrating what God has done. Right? Awesome. Well, we got these new chairs up here. And, um, yeah, my wife was going to cover for me, but I'll just tell the truth what it is. I left them in the gig harbor <laughs> equipment, and so, so these I'm are substitutes. <laughs> Too low? It feels so short. We're standing today, baby. I think we're standing. It's okay. All right. I am so excited for this message, and I want to, I just, um, if some of you noticed, I just feel like a racehorse today. Um, I've, I've got so much in me. Um, not only this message that we're about ready to present is something that we have worked on all week. It's one of those messages where we had so much content that we had to spend hours figuring out what we actually could get through in one Sunday. And then last night, I was preparing for tonight. And as I was typing, I was just so in awe of God that I just cried as I typed. I can't even explain to you. I'm so excited about Refresh tonight. We're going to be talking about Harvest tonight. And this is the year of harvest. And there's so much I have to share tonight. I'm going to talk about harvesting effectively tonight. And women, you got to be here. It's going to be a, an amazing, glorious night. Uh, six o'clock. And, um, but let's get into what we're talking about right. today. Well, if you got your Bibles, raise it up unashamedly. How many love your Bible? <laughs> yeah. Praise God. Say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I can have. I can have. What the Word of God. What the Word of God. Says I can have. Says I can have. I can do. I can do. What the Word of God. What the Word of God. Says I can do. Says I can and do. And I can be. And I can be. What the Word of God. What the Word of God. Says I can says be. Says I can be. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the richness of your Word. Father, we treasure it. It is our treasure. Of all the earthly possessions, your Word. <laughs> Can't beat that. So, Father, we just ask that the, the word we bring forth today, we ask it wouldn't just come through us, but from your Holy Spirit to touch each heart, each mind. And, Lord, we are, our faith roots grow deep. Our lives are being changed. We are getting more on course. And, Father, we are open to receive all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we were doing, uh, yeah, we're doing these H words, and so we we're coming up, and so we had a bunch we we're going to do earlier in the week, and so we just camped out on this one, humility. So the title of our message is The Touch of Humility. Uh, like you said, there's so much content on the subject of humility in the scriptures, we just want to bring this word today. So as a point of review. Point of review, we talked last week about how we're going to touch individuals, and last week we talked about the touch of honor. Remember, we talked about the Shumanite woman who honored uh, Elisha. Then we talked about the touch of healing. Remember, Elisha was used by God to heal her son. Uh, then we talked about the touch of hustle. Do you remember God told her to hustle to get back so she could get back and get her land back? Then we talked about the touch of helpful. And the king appointed an officer to help her get her land back. That was last week. If you missed it, go online, catch up. And today, you know, in this harvest time, we've got to talk about touching people. 
There are so many people who are longing for a touch from God. And so today we're going to talk about touching people through the touch of humility. So we got a short little video clip, if we could roll that. And many of you may have heard of this gentleman, and then we just want to talk about him real quick. So that's one crazy dude, just saying. We were watching that, and it was just like, honey, I'm getting queasy. But uh, just wanted to, this was in an interview in, in 2012, and let me just read this interview with him. Nick Walenda in 2012 became the most watched, oh, losing my notes here, the most watched high wire artist and daredevil in the world. His two most recent, again, this is 2012, feats were seen by a billion people across the world. I, I'm just curious, how many have seen this before? So about half of you are familiar with this. Okay. Uh, in 2012, he walked the tightrope across Niagara Falls. 2013 became the first person to high wire across the Grand Canyon. Linda knows that he will be tempted by pride. So after a huge crowds and the media fade away, he engages in a simple spiritual discipline. He walks where the crowds have just stood and quietly picks up trash. Linda recently wrote, my purpose is simply to help clean up after myself. The huge crowd left a great deal of trash behind and I feel compelled to pitch in. Besides, after the inordinate amount of attention I sought and received, I need to keep myself grounded. Three hours of cleaning up debris is good for my soul. Humility does not come naturally, naturally to me. So I have, I have to force myself into situations that are humbling. So be it. I know that I need to get down on my hands and knees like everyone else does. I did it. I do it because it is a way to keep from tripping. Linda writes, as a follower of Jesus, I see him washing the feet of others. I do it because if I don't serve others, I will be serving nothing but my ego. So here is a man. Uh, he is a Christian man, and many of you probably already know that. But here's a man who's doing things that no one else can do. And yet he makes the statement as a follower of Jesus, I need to do things that keep me walking in humility so that I can serve but not serve my ego. Isn't that amazing? You know, the book of Proverbs is just, how many just love Proverbs? I mean, like a Proverbs a day. Hey, there's 31. It's easy to do. But it's, it's just so full of practical wisdom. Proverbs 29, verse 23 says, A person's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. You know, uh, as we were preparing this, this week, um, so I'm reading a book called Awaken by Priscilla Schreier. It's a devotional book. Highly recommend it. And yesterday morning, I was, went to go do my Devo before. By the way, does the yard look amazing? Yeah. So I was, wanted to do my Devo before arriving for um, yard day. I'm telling you, we had a crew here yesterday, and they worked hard. Can you, can you just give it up for those amazing people? <laughs> amazing. We got some projects done around here. Thank you. God Woo. bless you all. We, we got a lot done yesterday. And also some... Some even, uh, thank you, Pat. Pat cooked for us. Pat cooked amazing dishes. And then Pastor Michael got up at the, before actually daylight 
and got the ribs on. And so we had amazing ribs and everything. It was an amazing day here yesterday. I'm just saying. I, a church that plays together, prays together, and works together is a church that stays together. It's just the way it is. So we worked hard yesterday. But anyway, I'm, I'm opening my Devo and having time with God before arriving for yard day and spring cleaning. And the Devo was about humility. And I went, wow, that's interesting. So I just have to read to you what this was. This is on, it's called Ego Monster. And it starts with uh, Proverbs 29, 23. It says, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. A part of us, in all of us, longs for a nod of approval from someone. And the more someone we can get in it from, the better. From the supervisor who says we're doing an exceptional good job this quarter, from the ministry director at church who thanks us for serving so well and showing such talent, from the toothy grin of our little one throwing his arms around us and saying, I love you. Yes, underneath much of this uh, generic desire for approval lies the scariest of all monsters. And if we aren't aware of its strength and strategy, it can eat us alive. In a dark, hidden room deep inside of us where it lurks, one of its hairy <laughs> appendages, it almost always too unruly to be tamed. The ego monster pokes through a tiny crevice in our soul's lockbox, creating just enough space for the whole devastating ogre to eventually emerge. Then, when we are offended at being overlooked or outperformed or underappreciated in some way, it lurches toward the surface, showing up in our furrowed brow and pasted on grin. How dare someone else receive what we deserve? How dare we not be selected for the position when we're so much more capable and qualified? But, oddly, Success is often the antagonist that stirs the monster into its most impressive frenzy. Applause and opportunity are its food, its fuel. They cause it to grow larger and more ferocious, bigger, stronger, until layer by layer it begins dismantling the veneer of false humility. And we've been We'd been created throughout our lives in hopes of disguising it. That's when we start to realize what others have already suspected. That when we discover that our noble motivations, truth be told, were mostly just self-satisfying excuses. That's when it becomes all too clear we've been duped. Ego has pulled the wool over our eyes. Gotcha. The monster has claimed another victim. Wow. Yeah. Humility is a big deal to God. And uh, there's a lot to, throughout the scriptures, talk about. Uh, you know, uh, it's just, I got to stay focused here. There's so much to say. <laughs> but uh, let's go to the next verse, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. You know, and we got to, as believers, I mean, we live with this human nature that, that, wants, has this ego, and you know, God gave you an ego, so I don't want to dismiss an ego, but your ego needs to be sanctified uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
So Micah 6, 8 says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires. Everyone say requires. Requires. Requires of you to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You know, what a powerful scripture that uh, what God is requiring of us is to love mercy, do right, but to walk humbly. And so part of our natural human instincts is to want to be, you know, applauded and appreciated. And everybody wants it. We need that. But it definitely has got to be sanctified under the Lordship of Jesus well, Christ. Well, and there is so many scriptures about humility in the Bible that we can't, we couldn't get through them all. I mean, literally, there's so many. But as we were studying, we were talking about how water baptism is a form of humility. And so much so that even Jesus, who was the Son of God, said, I've got to be baptized. And if you know the story you know, he, he wanted somebody to baptize and they're like, no, no, I'm not worthy of baptizing you. And he said, if you don't baptize me. And then he goes on and the, the guys go, oh, okay, we'll baptize you. But what was all of that leading up to it? It was Jesus showing that humility matters. Humility matters. Jesus was going to show them that baptism is, there's, there's a lot in water baptism where he was showing them that because of baptism there are benefits included in it after his baptism is when you see jesus performing signs and wonders and working in the gifts of the holy spirit and all of that which i believe god wants to impart into all of us that are baptized in water he wants us to walk in the gifts of the spirit he wants us to be have the the boldness to be able to approach people for the harvest but all of that was still humbling because jesus was god and jesus said no i gotta be baptized in water so Matthew 3, 13, just read it to you. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed and baptized him. You know, must you know so jesus humbled himself you know i mean it is it, when you think of the life of jesus and how many times as the creator of everything he humbled himself to be like us and to understand us and to to feel what we feel and to go through life and so he could be a high priest for us and he could stand in the gap between us and god he submitted himself to so much you know, when you think of why should I praise God, praise God that he humbled himself for you and for me. Such a powerful truth. You know, the Bible is so upside down in how we think. The whole kingdom of God is upside down. And, and, and let me just give you some for instances of how the kingdom of God is so different than how we as a world think. The Bible says to live, you must die. Here, you're going to help me, okay? I'm going I'm to do it, and then you, you see if you know it. He says, be humbled, and he will exalt you. You're not supposed to exalt yourself. Did you catch that? He says, you be humble, and he will do it. He says, uh, to be exalted, you will be humbled. 
He says, be first and you will be last. He says, be last and you will be first. Isn't this all backwards? He says, to have more, you are to give more. What? If you want authority, you are to get under isn't that all backwards? You know, but that is the kingdom of God. And, the, and I'm telling you what, the word of God doesn't change. The principles of the word of God, and I love it that Aaron said during offering, that it's, it's amazing how principles that people are finding for businesses and for corporations are actually the principles from the word of God. They don't change. They don't lie. And they work. And they work. So, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, especially with humility, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we got to take an interlook look at ourselves. And that's what we're hoping, that as we grow in Christ, we are looking at ourselves and going, God, show me where I can be a humble servant to you and to the people you love that are around me. And so, you this know. This topic is something yeah. that, um, honestly, you should be revisiting all the time. I don't care how old you are in this room. It's something you should be revisiting in your life. Because it is something the enemy would love to creep in throughout your life. He crept in and got Satan. Pride. Lack of humility is what got Satan. What was back to Adam and Eve? What was it? Pride got in. Lack of humility got in. All of a sudden, Eve thought, I'm going to be like God. Go back and read Genesis. We don't have time today. Go back and read it. Pride stepped in. Lack of humility stepped in. You know, this is Palm Sunday. And when we go back and read what Palm Sunday was, you know, the people were looking for a leader and they just, Jesus is it. He's going to save us from those evil Roman emperors. And uh, how disappointed they were when Jesus wasn't what they wanted him to be. But Jesus, on that Palm Sunday, people were had their palm branches and just, you know. You're so here's amazing. The king. You're awesome. Glory. Hallelujah. So he does this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But Jesus knew what was before him. We call this Holy Week. Uh, as we go through this week into Friday and, and Sunday. But Jesus knew what laid before him. And so he humbled himself and went through the process. Praise one day. Right. A few days later, they want him crucified. And he knew that was ahead of him. And he humbled himself in allowing himself to be whipped and to be beaten, to be ridiculed, humiliated, Lifted up publicly, naked. Bible says he was he was so beaten and whipped that his body was so disfigured, it was even it was even hardly recognizable that he was it was even a human body on that cross. You know, if you take the humility that it took, not only for Jesus to go through what he went through this week, but we're, let's back it up. The humility of saying, "I'm going to leave." Heaven. I don't know about you, but I don't think anybody is going to want to leave heaven to come to earth and deal with all we deal with. But the humility that it took for Jesus, the Son of God, to say, I'm going to humble myself and become like a human 
as a baby. I'm going to grow as a child. Do you realize the humility that that took? I'm going to be a child and grow up. And then I'm actually knowing his destiny of I'm here on earth to have a brutal death so that I can rise again and take care of the sins of the world. That is the ultimate example of humility. Well, one, wow. of, his, one of his quotes was, you know, I did not come to serve, to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom. I mean, he knew and to seek and to save that which was lost. Aren't you glad the Lord found you, yeah. called you? Man, thank you. Thank you. But he came as a servant to serve us. And it, that is an expression of his humility towards humanity. He came to serve. Have you ever been at, you know, just thinking about what you said, you know, he left heaven, he left the glory of the, uh, the Father and came. Have you ever been on vacation, you just found the spot. This is heaven. This is it. We just need to stay here forever. You Anybody know? felt and that you way? wish you could. I have. I have. You know, the temperature is right. Forever? You know, imagine that for eternity. And then you got to come back to rainy Washington. You know, it's like, ah. Hey, I love Washington. <laughs> but Jesus did that. Let's go. And this is a powerful uh, description of that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And it it's, talks about Jesus, but the point is to get into our hearts of an attitude that Jesus has. You know, a lot of you got attitudes. <laughs> but it's talking about let's have the attitude that Jesus had. Here we go. We're reading out of the NLT, verse 5, Philippians 2. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah. Glory is right. I mean, how about, how about let's, let's keep going on examples. How about the Apostle Paul? How many know who the Apostle Paul is? Okay, so the Apostle Paul in Romans 1 1 says, Paul, a bondservant, everybody say bondservant, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Another word for bondservant is slave. Mm. So he put himself, he's literally saying, a bondservant is one who volunteers. Into themselves into slavery. Mm. And if you love Jesus Christ, you also will identify with Paul. I willingly submit myself to the, to us. And we don't like that word at all. Yeah. But that's what Paul said. I'm a slave and I willingly put myself into this position. And Paul is saying who he is. My name is Paul. I am a slave. That's really, really what he is saying. He says, I'm called an apostle. It's what I do. But who I am, I'm a servant. I'm a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what you're saying is he wasn't caught up in a title. He yeah. wasn't caught up in a title. I mean, he when knew you, who he was. When you think of the apostle Paul, of what he could have said, 
and how he could have introduced himself. I mean, this man was highly educated. He had the best education, born in the right family. Done all the good things. He had the PhDs. Things. He had the MDs. He had all the, all the, you know, all the initials after your name. He had all of that. But he wasn't concerned about that. He said, I'm a servant. That's who I am. And here's this man. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You know, and then you, if you think, he tells, gives a little glimpse of what it's like for him to serve Jesus Christ. Been beaten. Been kicked out of cities been shipwrecked, been left for dead. You know, he could have went forth with who I am. I'm a victim of this crazy world. All you Jesus haters, you know, he could have said a lot of things, but he didn't. What I am, I'm a servant of Jesus. He could have thrown the entitlement card. I'm entitled to this. This, because of everything I am, I'm entitled to this. But he didn't throw the entitlement card. He didn't throw the victim card. Instead, he threw the I'm a servant card. And remember how I said the kingdom of God is backwards? That it exalts those who walk in humility? So we see here, because of his humility, God allowed him, God, through the Holy Spirit, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Wow. So here's the key, guys. Humility is the key to the favor of God on your life. Humility is the key to the favor of God on your life. Write that down. I mean, huge. Write it down. Humility is the key to the favor of God on your life. Wow. You know, and humility is one of the ways we can touch other people's lives. You know, the Bible talks about preferring others before yourself. You know, that gets people's attention. You know, another thing that gets people's attention is just listening to their story. Just li- just humbly listen. You know, I've been in conversations where, you know, it's like, you're, guys like to do this. You know, hey, so you got a scar on your arm. Oh, yeah, you know, this happened, had this accident, and sliced my arm off, and they had to stitch it together. And then... And then it's like, oh, yeah? Well, this is what happened to me. You know, one-up you. You know, look at this. You know, you know. And, but we do that in conversations where someone will tell their story. And while they're telling their story, we're thinking of, I'm going to one-up you. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outdo you. You're here, but my story's here. And, you know, so we, we want to stroke ourselves so we can talk about our experiences And there's appropriate time for that. But a lot of times in just some conversations, we're trying to outdo somebody. You know, you men might do scars. Us women don't really do that. But here's where I find it in women. You just talk about childbirth. Yeah, it's so true. You start telling their story of how you delivered your child. Before you know it, the other person's going to up you. Oh, yeah, well, I was in, in childbirth for 24 hours, nonstop labor, and it goes on and on. I, y- y'all know what I'm talking about, women? We do it, don't we? How, oh, about, yeah. how, about, how about pulling wisdom teeth? Don't even think about talking about pulling wisdom teeth if you've only had two pulls. Because by you know the next person's going to go, oh, well, you ought to hear my story. I had all four pulled, and they were all impacted. 
You know it happens. Am, am I right? Come on, don't look at me so serious. This is life. Why are we so compelled to one-up one on somebody's story? I'm just Yeah, we're saying. guilty. Guilty. Sorry. We've all done it. Forgive We've me. all done it, right? You can't look all spiritual because including your pastors up here, we've all done it. That's why I said this message is something that we have to revisit all the time. Because you slip into it without even knowing it. What is that that wants us to one-up somebody? It's pride. Everybody just say the word. It's like a dirty word. Just say it. Pride. But you know, practically, when someone's telling their story or their experience... Shut your mind off of what you want to say and just listen. Get into their life. Get into what their experience was and just go, whoa, I am. Can we pray? You know, I mean, I don't, in your heart, you're like, well, that's nothing. But you don't have to tell them. Just be humble and let them have center stage and just let them share their life with us. We're still talking about how to touch humanity in, in this time. We're still talking about how to harvest. You get that, right? You are going to be able to touch more people if you walk in humility. You're not going to be touching people if you're talking to somebody and all you're thinking about is how to up the story. You need to be focused on what they're trying to communicate and loving on them and what they're trying to say. This is hard, but it's called you just bite your mouth. You know, no, I don't need to tell them my story. They're telling me their story. Have you ever been in a hurry and you got to stop in the grocery store just for a minute, grab something, and get on your way? And uh, you're driving in, and you're down by the front door, and a parking stall opens up, and you're like, yes, I can get that stall, jump out, get in, get out, and I'm on my way. And as you're pulling in, somebody's coming down the lane the opposite direction. And you have a choice. I hate this choice. <laughs> you can be the guy that takes that spot and make them go out to the back 40 for their spot. Yeah. What would, the first what would shall be last and the last shall be What would first. humility do? Yeah. What would humility do? What would humility do? Okay, humility is the highest position. Everybody say that with me. Humility, humility is the, the highest, highest position. position. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Oopsie, they're caught. They're like, I didn't even think he was listening. Verse 35, he sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him. It's like, uh-oh, team meeting time. We're going to have a little conversation. Family meeting. Literally, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus meeting about now. And Jesus said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. That is not what they wanted to hear. That is not what they wanted to hear. Years ago, we were uh, in Tulsa and, and knew some people that were working the behind the scenes at uh, a camp meeting with, uh, you know, powerful national stage ministers and stuff. And they were telling the story of people that we knew. And uh, they were uh, saying that they were really ticked off 
that so-and-so is allowed to minister because they could out-preach them, you know, hands down. And so they're just, they were just doing this stuff. They were like, how did he get chosen to be up there? I've even heard uh, people say, you know, and it, it, you know, and here's the fact. It could be true, what I'm about to tell you. Uh, when Billy Graham was alive, uh, heard people, ministers go, you know, how does he do that? I mean, he draws these large crowds, and he's really not that amazing of a preacher. His content's great, but his delivery is just kind of average. How does he do it? You know, and they're talking about themselves or somebody else that can totally out-preach Billy Graham. But here's the thing. When you're a humble servant, you could be a terrible minister, terrible worker, terrible, you know, not that great, educated, smart. But if you have a humbleness about you, God will elevate you. And I think that's a good word because Billy Graham was a very humble man. And he exalted him onto a world stage to draw people to Jesus Christ. It wasn't about Billy. It was about bringing people to Jesus. So last night, in the middle of the night, this has been happening to me lately. I'm just going by the scripture that says, you know, the, the old men and the... <laughs> Young women. <laughs> well, dream dreams. Dream dreams. So I woke up with a start in the middle of the night and heard two words. I heard the words false humility. And I'd love to tell you I was really spiritual and got out of bed and just, you know, studied for hours again. But I, I went... Okay, God, I got those two words. I will ask my husband about it in the morning. <laughs> and I did go back to sleep. And in the morning, I said, honey, as I'm drinking my coffee, God woke me up and said two words really loud. Please help me. I don't know, but I know this is supposed to be in the message. The two words were false humility. And my husband being already wide awake because for some reason, he's back to being an early bird. And... Uh, he goes, oh, I know right what that is, and I know what scripture that goes with. And here's the scripture that goes with it. It's out of Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Luke 18, 9. Then Jesus told this story to someone who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Okay, we could just stop there. That's hilarious. Oh, and I who's he praying God. to? I thank you, God, I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like the tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance. And dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, verse 14, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, it's just like, ouch. The Apostle Paul, he wrote, you know, that it's unwise to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. 
You know, whatever calling or whatever someone else is doing, that's between them and God. That's their business. You just take care of you. You know, and when we compare ourselves, and the reason why we want to compare ourselves or, or try to one-up one another, whatever, like this story, you know, I'm not like them, so I deserve something. You know, here's I must the, be okay because I'm not as bad as them. Here's, here's the thing. What do we deserve? What we deserve is judgment. That's what we deserve. It is by grace we are saved. And it's because of what he did that no one gets to boast. But we, we kind of get out of humility into a bit of pride and ego because we want to think we're better. And so we, we want measuring sticks in our life so we can kind of find out where am I at spiritually. And so oftentimes what we do is we'll look to other people. Well, I'm not like them, so I'm better than them. So, and I do more than they do, and, and this, and, and I got this going for me and that going for me. And we want to do that to help ourselves feel secure in our place with God. The only place we feel secure in God is, thank you, I am saved by grace because of what you've done. Without you, I am a lost cause. You know, one way we can help ourselves kind of like do a checkup on ourselves instead of comparing, you know, ourselves to others, we're supposed to compare ourselves to the Word of God, which that's a really high thing to compare to. Am I right? But that's where we're supposed to compare ourselves is the word of God. But we can do a checkup by what's coming out of us. Is, are we the, I, we, we have a funny thing in our house. We call it the, the excusiologist. It's just a little name we've come up with it. I don't know if you know what excusiologist is, but it's someone who constantly is making excuses rather than just saying, I'm really sorry, I missed it. Please forgive me. Instead, they're just constantly defending themselves. Why would you want to defend yourself? Is it, it's, it's the P word. It's pride. Instead of, instead of being able to say, oh, I'm sorry I didn't, I didn't do that, or, or I'm sorry this happened. Instead, pride says, oh, I got to give them my excuse. God doesn't want your excuses. I'll just be really plain and simple. God does not want your excuses. He wants your humility to say, God, I am nothing in myself. I don't measure up. I fall flat a lot. I don't measure up to this standard or that standard. But God, I humbly say, forgive me. I want to come up to your standard. I want to walk in humility so that I please you, not others. That ought to set some people free right now. You are not expected to please others. You are expected to please God. You're not going to stand before others when you get to heaven. You're going to stand before God. There are a lot of things in your life where you may have to, to be able to change friendships. You may have to change who you hang out with. You don't have to feel sorry for that because you're not standing before them one day. You're standing before God. And as long as you're doing what God has told you to do, that's what ought to count. Preach it. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 23, 12. 
Jesus says, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. You know, you don't want to be that crowd. You know, we've probably all been humbled and humiliated at one point, and we don't like that. But on the opposite, he says, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Not that we're looking to be exalted. We're just looking to serve. Here's the deal. When you're, when you're, when you're humble and God exalts you, because you are practicing a servanthood mentality, you're serving others. It's not who's underneath you in your position, but it's who's above you you're trying to lift up. And as he exalts you, the people around you that you're serving, guess, as you're exalted, guess who's going to be exalted with you? The people you're serving. And that's what we're causing. And we're trying to get people to heaven. We're pr- trying to get people exalted to Jesus Christ and get their lives changed and saved. That's why we, we witness. That's why we serve. That's why we prefer one another better than ourselves is because that they will get a grasp of Jesus Christ and we're all getting to a higher level. One last scripture. 1 Peter 5, 5-6. Uh, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Father, we are so glad that Jesus humbled himself to give us salvation, to cleanse us of our sins, to wash, wash us in the blood he shed on the cross. We're thankful that Jesus submitted himself to the process of being humbled But, Father, we don't want to take his humility and exalt ourselves. The first place we need to humble ourselves is realizing we need a Savior. We can't save ourselves. We need need somebody to touch our lives, to save us. And that's Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning watching online, and Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, or you've walked away, sin's gotten away, you've fallen away and and you realize you need to give your heart to Christ anew. Today's your day. This is your moment to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I'm going to count on to three. We get to three. If you need to respond, raise your hand right where you're at and right where you're at, Pastor Stone is going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. Confessing, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. You are my Savior. Here we go. One, God loves you and he wants to honor you. But if you'll humble yourself. Two, don't let anything or any feeling talk you out of this moment. Number three, respond. Raise your hand. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, church, we're going to pray this prayer with those who have raised their hands. Those who are watching online, this is your moment. This is your moment. Would you repeat this prayer with me? It's a simple prayer. Say, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I thank you. I thank you. For the blood of Jesus. For the blood of Jesus. That forgives me. That forgives me. Today. Today. From all. From all. My sin. My sin. My pride. My pride. Where I've fallen short. Where I've fallen short. Of your best. Of your best. And I ask today. And I ask today. That you would be. That you would be. Not only Lord, not only Lord, but Savior, but Savior, completely in charge. Completely in charge. I surrender it all. I surrender it all to you. To you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Believers, 
I think this was a message for everyone in this room and everybody watching who you're walking with God. But we constantly have to remind ourselves, am I walking in humility or am I walking in pride? Would you bow your heads one more time? Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to us where we've fallen short. It's not shame, it's conviction right now. The Holy Spirit wants you to make that right. There's adjustments that he wants to do in your life. Can you let the Holy Spirit do what he does best and begin to talk to you about those adjustments? Father, we see those areas in our life where we have fallen short of your best. And I thank you that as believers, God, we want to humble ourselves before you and before your mighty hand. We are nothing in ourselves, but we are everything in Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you for your forgiveness over many individuals watching and in this room. We ask for your forgiveness, and we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Come on, can you begin to thank him for where he has forgiven you? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for forgiving us where we have been allowed pride to creep in. Forgive us, Father God. Forgive us. And may we walk humbly before you. God, we're your servant. We serve you, God, with all of our heart. Oh, we serve you, God. You are our everything. Come on, church, tell him. Tell him what he means to you. Oh, tell him, church. Tell him, church. God, you are our everything. God, you have saved me from so much. Oh, God, I owe everything to you. You are my everything, and I am nothing in myself. Oh, I thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to leave you with this scripture. I can do all things through Christ. Everybody say through Christ. Christ. Who strengthens me. You can touch others through humility this week. Let's go through Holy Week with humility. Let's touch other lives with the touch of humility. So good. Thank you, Lord. As we call out to drive us from alive.